Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of Drone Life News. There is a lot of news going on this week as the FAA has actually and finally launched the new recreational pilot test, changing the game for drone pilots across the United States. Miriam, welcome to the show, and what do you have for us today? Thanks for having me, Paul, as usual. And, you know, first up is, as you said, the FAA Trust Program. So for anyone who doesn't know exactly what that is, in 2018, FAA reauthorization package, which is the piece of law that actually funds the FAA uh, for the next period of time, it's it's mostly actually a tax package. And it's, it says we're going to allocate these taxes uh, to the FAA. Uh, Congress tends to make requirements in there when they when they write these authorization packages. And one of the requirements in the 2018 FAA reauthorization package was the requirement that the FAA develop a test for recreational drone operators. And the FAA sort of pulled the industry, um, tried to get opinions on this. They came up with the ideas that it should be free, it should be offered online, and it should be something that is not like a driver's license or a Part 107 license, which is really challenging to get. The goal is really to inform recreational pilots of the basic safety requirements and give them the resources so they know where to go, they know how to get more help, how to improve their flight, and, uh, you know, that there are drone regulations and where to find them. And this week, uh, big news, they actually launched the program and introduced the partners and drone you. One of the big partners listed, one of only 16, really a mix of people. We had, you know, you guys as the drone training programs. We had community colleges, the Boy Scouts of America, the AMA is offering. So it's launched, it's up. And you were saying in pre-show, you've definitely got people taking it. So what are you seeing? Yeah, it's actually fascinating, Miriam, just how many people are taking this test as we're averaging almost 300 new pilots per day, which I have to say, I'm pretty surprised um, by that response. And it's going to be interesting to see how the trend evolves over time. Is this just the start? Are things going to get a lot better? Are we going to see some fall off? It's going to be really interesting. But overall, macro, it seems to be going very well, Miriam. And I'm actually kind of surprised at just how many people are taking that test. Me too. Actually, I find that number um, incredibly encouraging because to me what that means is, you know, we were concerned about, okay, you've launched the test. We have the test out there. How are we going to let these recreational pilots know that this test exists? You know, I mean, I'm doing my part, but anybody who's reading a magazine called Drone Life already knows that that there are drone regulations uh, out there. You know, you're drone you. Anybody working with you knows that there are drone regulations out there. But I think that this really demonstrates that the FAA has done a great job with their initial push. They really are getting the word out there. And also, 
what's encouraging to me is that there's an appetite for it. I mean, I think that recreational flyers, nobody wants to spend a thousand dollars or, or more than a thousand dollars on a piece of new equipment and not know how to use it. I mean, they want to know how to use it. They want to know how to be legal. They want to know how to, how to um, use it efficiently. Nobody wants to get in trouble. Where can you fly? Where can't you fly? So I think there's actually appetite for the test too, which is, um, also very encouraging. Yeah, very positive for the industry. And as you just mentioned in our next piece of news, it seems like the drones that we're buying and the price point that you mentioned, Miriam, well, it seems to be changing as DJI still seems to be the powerhouse manufacturer across the United States. But it looks like, Miriam, there are some other manufacturers who are really making some progress and taking away market share from DJI. What's going on here? Well, this was a great um, article. Actually, I found this very interesting. I got this piece of news over from Skywatch AI, and Skywatch AI is an InsurTech company based out of Israel. Actually, a brilliant team. I've had the opportunity to meet those guys, uh, really, really smart people. And they're drone insurance providers. So the great thing about data that comes from them is that they have no uh, fox in the hunt, so to speak. They, they, they don't have any particular company that they're rooting for. They have no particular region or um, you know vertical that they're focused on. It's anybody who purchased drone insurance. So anybody who purchases drone insurance uh, says what type of aircraft they fly. And uh, Skywatch took that data and said, hey, how has that data changed over the last few years? And what they found is that DJI absolutely has the giant share. I mean, still very much so undeniably the dominant aircraft in the market. But what we are seeing sort of grow in percentages is sort of three categories. So Autel was making some very big strides from, you know, several percentage points every year. Skydio has appeared on the graph, um, only a very small percentage, but they have appeared on the graph. But the the part that's sort of taking the biggest market share up to sort of 10% is the other category. And what I think is really interesting about that is that what I'm seeing uh, from my perspective is a lot of new purpose-built manufacturers. And this is as drone technology matures, um, you get better sensors, you get better software, you get better machine learning, that drones are able to offer a high return on investment for very specific verticals. Cell phone tower industry, wind turbine inspection, you know, specific construction applications. And for those applications where you have a really high return on investment, people are willing to invest in a specialty aircraft. So even if those manufacturers don't have the volume necessarily that a DJI has or a more consumer-oriented or prosumer-oriented drone um, like the DJI or the Autel, those manufacturers are seeing real growth in specific verticals that 
heretofore have not necessarily, you know, been willing to kind of go out and buy a fleet of drones. So they're doing more than just imagery. They're doing more than just standard inspections. They're using sensors that can get them sort of engineering grade data, and they're using them in very specific ways. Do you believe that Autel kind of um, taking over a, a majority of the market share comparative to other manufacturers, do you think that that is a factor of the fact that you go from flying DJI to flying Autel, the app is very similar, it's a very easy transition to just take off and fly with an Autel as they've made it so convenient and easy um, to participate, or do you think that maybe this is a factor of the variety of aircraft that Autel offers as, you know, they have the Dragonfish, a $120,000 fixed wing drone, you know, they have an Autel Evo 2 Duel, which is, you know, comparative to the Mavic 2 Enterprise Duel, offers a whole lot. Uh, the price is, if I understand it, a little bit more, which makes sense if you look at market share comparative DJI, again, and Autel. So when it comes to this big uh, increase in taking over market share from DJI, what do you think that the, the macro uh, variables might be that are leading up to Autel, of all people, taking more market share than other manufacturers? Um, I think that you are absolutely right with it being something familiar. I think that that really does help. Um, you know, people are reluctant to switch from an iPhone to an Android because they don't want the, you know, the, nobody wants the learning curve. It's just um, a difficult thing. So uh, as much as you can reduce that learning curve, I think people prefer it. You know, you don't want something completely different. I think being in the same relative price point is also a contributing factor. I think if you go uh, much outside of the kind of price point that most people are comfortable in, you're going to have to show something really different for that. And, and, you know, when the Evo first came out, I remember one review said, is this the Mavic killer? And of course it's not, it hasn't been the Mavic killer. It's not a Mavic killer. The, the Mavic is still absolutely dominant in the, in the market. Um, but it was definitely something that offered many of the features that made the Mavic unique, plus some other ones that make the Evo unique. So, you know, I think that Autel's in a really interesting position right now. They're a Chinese company. They have a manufacturing plant based in Bothell, Washington. They're really trying um, to kind of tick security boxes. They uh, do have one of their um, products is made in the USA, you know, according to U.S. Customs and, and Excise. And they went through a long process to uh, get that established. So I'm really interested to see uh, what happens from here. You know, as I said, DJI is still absolutely dominant in the commercial industry. There's no argument about that. And I think they'll continue for a long time. They have a head start. They, they you know, have had a lot of development. They have a huge client base, which allows them sort of instant turnaround on fixes and updates and tweaks and, and so forth. But I think some of the other manufacturers are gaining in maturity now. And um, we'll start seeing some. Yeah, and I think Autel has definitely taken on uh, a lot of powerful players from other companies uh, to build their team. And we all know that a company's success is highly prevalent on the team that they have. So congrats to everyone who's now over at Autel. You know who you are. 
Congrats. Um, but that one question that I have, the last question regarding this particular subject is, you know, in the past year, maybe two, maybe longer, there have been so many questions regarding the security of DJI drones. And as we just reported last week, DOD had cleared some DJI drones. So do you think that this trend of DJI losing market share will continue? Or uh, do you think it might actually slow down because of kind of a title change? No, I, I don't honestly um think that you know the the security concerns got a lot of press i mean they really did they got a a tremendous amount of press and and in a way i sort of felt that that was um unfortunate because it might have been a a little bit overstated it wasn't very specific and it might have been a little overstated but i don't actually think that's why we're seeing a market shift i think we're just seeing a market shift because of time because other manufacturers are gaining in maturity and the drone industry is maturing and and so you're getting kind of other players with different things to offer um you know the dod report really it it was a great report for dji because it did sort of indicate what they'd been saying that you know there just aren't these cyber vulnerabilities it was referring just to clarify to the government additions so we should we should clarify that it was talking specifically about DJI's government edition drones. So I think that is an important factor, and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, with this market share here in the future. And uh, great job to Skywatch for putting out that data. I think that that really helps everyone. And you know, we've had Brandon Packman on the show before to kind of talk about the benefits of Skywatch. And and Miriam, I will be honest with you, I use Skywatch myself, not only here at DroneU, but for my quote unquote drone side hustle that I still okay, do. Okay, we are not sponsored by Skywatch, just so everybody knows. <laughs> I'm not sponsored by Skywatch. He's not sponsored by Skywatch. No, but I do use their product and <laughs> I like their product a lot and I've chosen to use it. So yeah, anyway. But that brings us to our next story for today. As we discussed last week, the FAA is developing the BVLOS ARC. This way they can better understand the regulatory framework to utilize for beyond visual line of sight flights. Yet as we had discussed last week as well, one particular company is really taking a very different approach when it comes to these BVLOS operations. So as you had just mentioned, Miriam, about the importance of diversity and perspectives uh, when it comes to the regulatory uh, framework, who is this company and why is this beneficial to the future of drones? Because again, the societal impacts here are going to be quite large when it comes to BVLOS flights, because for everyone, you, if you're not you know, kind of taking on the hints, we're talking about BVLOS is really going to be your drone delivery, your package delivery, your Panda Express at 10.30 p.m. at night via drone delivery. So Miriam, what's going on? So this was another mention of DroneUp. So DroneUp, uh, as we discussed on the show before, got the Walmart investment, uh, was named as Walmart's uh, delivery partner. So Walmart has announced that they will be starting a residential drone delivery from their stores, starting with a store in Arkansas near their um 
their founding uh, store, I guess it is, their, their original store. And so Drone Up was just named to the Bibilos ARC. And that's really interesting because it kind of shows, you know, now, you know, back in 2015, I wrote an article about the amount of money that Amazon was spending on lobbying and so forth. And and uh, Walmart, we haven't seen take a sort of big visible spot on the table. And they're still not taking a big visible spot on the table. But what they're saying is we want our drone partners, you know, but their drone partners are taking a spot on the table. And as the drone partners of one of the largest retailers uh, in the world, you know, it's a significant um, place in the commercial drone industry right now. So, so that's interesting. And I think the other thing that we need to think about when we think about the BVLOS arc is what does BVLOS mean? So now you just mentioned, you know, that it's it's your Panda Express at ten thirty at night. And yes, let's hope so. But <laughs> it's also, you know, BVLOS has such a wide variety of applications because, you know, you look at somebody like um, Brink Drones. Uh, you and I were talking about that earlier. Um, Brink Drones is designed specifically for uh, SWAT teams, public safety, and so forth. For them, a BVLOS operation could be, you know, three feet away around the back of the building or something like that. You know, it, it could be um, going in a back door or around a shed or something like that where your line of sight is limited, but it isn't because of distance. BVLOS can also uh, be cargo drones so when you're talking about like real heavy duty long distance 100 mile deliveries out in alaska on the pipeline that's that's a very different thing than a residential drone delivery less than 10 miles away and um i think the other thing that the faa is thinking about and they've mentioned this several times is that dvlos is really a precursor to uam so uh, you know, Panda Express first and drone taxi next. Like <laughs> this is this is going in this direction. And so they're gonna need a wide variety of players on the arc to kind of cover all of those um, areas of interest. Uh, but I think um, naming drone up was an interesting uh, development. It says, hey, you know, residential drone delivery front and center, here we go. You know, one of the pushbacks that I've heard about regarding the DAC, uh, the Drone Advisory Committee, is how the FAA has repeatedly kind of ignored some some major uh, advice and provisions that were later accepted vis-a-vis comments on uh, public announcements of regulation. Do you think that the BVLOS ARC will actually... Uh, have the ear of the FAA and be able to really make uh, progress because I know you and I have heard various stories from various sides of the aisle regarding the effectiveness of these ARC committees. So, I mean, what do you think that we'll see? Will we see a repeat of the pattern or or you think that this issue is just way too big when it comes to uh, the impact on society, the impact on drone pilots, both hobby, commercial, uh, even enterprise? I mean, what do you think that we're going to see here? I think, um, you know, it's a very complex environment that the FAA is navigating. And I'm not 
I'm a neutral party. I'm just an observer. I'm I am not an FAA apologist or anything, but I do think that it's important to sort of take into consideration the complexities of what they're doing. So I think, you know, when you have the DAC and you say the DAC provides input, that's one source of input to inform a regulation. Then you have the defense community. That's another stakeholder contributing to inform that regulation. Then you have, you know, governmental and you have state and local authorities, also stakeholders who want to uh, have input on that regulation. So, you know, the FAA is in the position of having to balance a lot of stakeholders that may not all have exactly the same goal. And um, so given that, I don't, think that it's surprising necessarily that everything that the industry recommends is not immediately, uh, you know, not directly adopted. So I do think the industry groups do tremendous work. They work very hard. It's very challenging to get people from all different areas of the industry to collaborate together, to come to consensus on things. So I'm sure that it's very frustrating when you've worked really hard for months and come to a consensus and then somebody says, yeah, nah, (laughs) we're not doing that. But At the same time, I do think that you have to take sort of the broader view and understand that the FAA is juggling sort of many different stakeholders and industry groups are one source of information, you know, kind of informing those regulations. So I think when you're talking about new things like uh, BV Lowe's Flight, you know, to my mind, it's like any other government agency, you know, when you're talking about the FDA, like I want doctors on the <laughs> Federal Drug Administration able to say this interacts with that and and this is, you know, has these side effects or something, right? You need the experts there to inform regulators of how things are going to interact. And I think you need industry there who are actually out there flying drones to inform regulators about how things are going to work together in a very practical day-to-day operation. So those industry groups, I think, are critical to developing reasonable rules, you know. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Miriam. In all honesty, I feel that the need for practical uh, drone experience is really going to help pave the way for understanding the impacts and the potential consequences, right? That experience in variety of environments is really going to paint a picture of what really will happen, which again, just showcases, you know, the importance that actual drone pilots who are doing these operations are a part of these committees, right? I mean, it's so critical. And to your point regarding the broadening uh, perspective of the FAA and how they're trying to get all these industry groups together, that's on top of all of the kind of um, temporary and transitory issues that are going on with the FAA right now in regards to the issues with passengers on commercial airliners. When the FAA has issued, you know, more fines, like pretty much in history this year. And, you know, so they have all of these outside factors kind of coming down right now, right? Let's take the Boeing uh, 737 MAX issue, right? Let's talk about how the FAA just pushed the 777X 
uh, certification to 2023. I mean, there are so many large, enormous issues going on at the FAA, which, by the way, I am not apologizing for the FAA either, but um, (laughs) I think that we're all human. And so I just think that, like you said, it's a complex environment, but also as a macro kind of outside looking in, it seems like there's a lot going on over there right now. Not to mention a global pandemic, right? (laughs) I I mean, come on, like, uh, and that affected the airline industry, you know, that affected air travel, that that caused some problems. Um, So, yeah, you know, everyone I have ever spoken with at the FAA, I can say this without exception, anyone I've had a personal conversation with at the FAA has been amazing and has tried really, really hard. But as I said, you know, I think that, Industry groups, incredibly valuable, can't do without them, but they are one point of data among many. Definitely, definitely. Well, Miriam, thank you again for updating us on all these stories hitting the tape this week. Um, It's very interesting. It seems like this year we're kind of making a little bit, uh, we have a little bit more velocity of progress, it seems. I think absolutely. I'm really uh, excited about this year. Um, And a few years back, I was in Germany at um, Intergeo, and I heard uh, Kay Wackwitz of, of Droneei. He's a drone industry insight. They're a European um, industry research group. And he he said he was talking about drone investment, and he said, you know, we've we've sort of gone Gardner hype cycle. You know, we've gone past sort of. Uh, unrealistic optimism and then we're in the trough of despair but that is followed by the plateau of productivity and I really think that what I'm seeing now is the plateau of productivity where we've got our stuff together now in the drone industry you know we're really delivering value people can't say oh you're a solution in search of a problem anymore the the drone industry is delivering serious return on investment competitive advantage safety advantage um you know, so I'm very optimistic. I think it is all kind of coming together for us. I, I could not agree more, Miriam. And uh, on that non-bombshell, that's going to do it for us today. Miriam, thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate you being here. Thank you, Paul. Talk to you next week. Sounds good. And that's going to do it for us, everyone. Thanks again for joining us for another edition of Drone Life News. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review and leave us a comment wherever you watch this show, whether it's on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify. We greatly appreciate that. But that's going to do it. We'll see you next time.